0: Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7 verses 7 and 8, Matthew 7 verses 7 and 8, following your Bibles as I read, ask and it shall be given you, seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you, for everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and he that knocketh, it shall be opened. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the privilege to be in your house. We know that many are missing today because of the inclement weather, but we thank you for those who are able to be here. And Lord, this is an important message for all of us, and I pray that we might take it to heart. And I pray, Lord, that those who are not here this morning will be able to listen to it on sermon audio, and I just pray, Lord, that you might use it to uh, encourage us as a church to be people of prayer. Thank you, Lord, that we have access to you, and we take advantage of that right now as we ask for your help in presenting this message and for your help in receiving this message. Use it, we pray, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Today, I'd like to talk to you about the subject of why pray. Last week, we dealt with why live godly. Today, we want to answer the question, why pray? Prayer is talking to God. Our talking to God can include asking for things, confessing our sins, casting our cares on Him, thanking Him, and worshiping Him. Our text describes prayer as asking, seeking, and knocking. So if you want to receive something from God, you ask. If you want to seek God or find God, you seek. And if you want to, for God's door to be open unto you, you keep on knocking. So ask, seek, and knock. The Bible records many examples in the, of God's answering prayer for His people. I'll list some of those this morning. i mentioned some of those this morning. That, of course, I can't mention all of them, but we'll mention several this morning. Hannah prayed for a son. You remember she was barren, and her rival... Uh, had had children. Uh, her husband had two wives, and she had children, but Hannah could not have, have any children. And so she prayed, and God gave her a child, and God gave her Samuel. And in, in appreciation for that, she gave Samuel back to the Lord to serve in the tabernacle uh, with the priest. David prayed and trusted God to give him victory over Goliath. You remember it doesn't record David's prayer, but it says that David said, the Lord did this for me. The Lord helped me face the lion. The Lord helped me face the bear. And, and the Lord will help me do this. And I know David was praying to the Lord. And so David prayed that God would give him victory over Goliath. And he did. And he killed Goliath with just a stone from his sling. And then he went and cut, out, cut off Goliath's head. God enabled him to do that. Elijah prayed that it would not rain. The Bible tells us in, in 1 Kings chapter 17. And the complement of that is James chapter 5, verse 17. It tells us that he prayed that it would not rain. You remember he told the the king, uh, it's not going to rain for these years until I say so. Until God gives me word that it's okay, that it will rain and it will rain, but it's not going to rain. And so then Elijah prayed again. You remember after that time of uh, of no rain, uh, everybody was upset with Elijah. And so finally Elijah met, uh, the, the king, and they went up to Mount Carmel and had a, had a, had a contest there, and Elijah had the prophets of Baal pray, and, and they did all they could do to get their God to bring down rain, but he didn't, so Elijah prayed a simple prayer and asked God to send down, not rain, but send down fire, and God sent down the fire and burned up his sacrifice, all in answer to prayer. Elijah then prayed that it would rain, the Bible tells us that as he went up and, and he prayed, and he put his head, head down and he prayed, and he asked the servant to look and see if there were any evidence, and finally he said, there's a little cloud about the size of a man's hand. And Elijah said, get ready, it's going to rain. And so it did. And James chapter 5 says that Elijah prayed that it wouldn't rain, and it, and it didn't, and Elijah prayed that it would rain, and it did. And also we read the prayer of Hezekiah. Hezekiah prayed for deliverance and victory over Sennacherib, king of Assyria. And you remember what happened? Without them uh, actually doing anything, the Lord slew slew of the the Assyrians, 185,000 of them in one night. God answered prayer. Esther and Mordecai prayed for deliverance from Haman's decree to kill all the Jews. Now, it doesn't say that they prayed, but it does say that Esther said, let's proclaim a fast. And for the Jews, fasting and prayer went together. So they prayed, and they prayed that God would turn this around and all the Jews wouldn't be destroyed by Haman's decree. And what happened was God answered the prayer, and Haman ended up being hanged from the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. God turned it all around, and the result was that the Feast of Purim, and Jews still commemorate that today, where God gave victory over Haman. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego prayed. And uh, they said that, we're not going to bow down to you, king. We're not going to worship you. We're only to worship one, and we will not do it. God will deliver us, but if he doesn't, that's okay. We'll still not bow. And so they prayed, and God gave them victory. And, and they were thrown into the fiery furnace, but God gave them victory, and they were not burnt in answer to prayer. Daniel prayed. You remember the decree went forth that he was not to, they were not to uh, pray to anybody but, but the king. And Daniel did it as he always did. He opened up his windows three times a day and so people could see him, and he prayed. And he was praying, so he was praying to God. And he no doubt prayed, Lord, I know this decree has gone forth, and I know they say I'm going to be thrown in the den of lions, but I trust you, and I depend upon you. And he went ahead and prayed. They threw him in the den of lions, and God protected him in answer to prayer. Blind Bartimaeus prayed for healing, and he was healed. Mark chapter 10 says that Je- Jesus... He cried out to Jesus as he went by him. He said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. And Jesus said, what do you want me to do? And he said that I might receive my sight. And he received his sight in answer to prayer. Peter was delivered from prison because some people that loved him got together and prayed. And we read that account in Acts chapter 12. And they were surprised when Peter came knocking on the door. And uh, uh, they said, it's Peter. No, it can't be Peter. It must be his ghost. And, but it was Peter in answer to prayer. Zacharias prayed for a child. Do you remember the Christmas story we went through not, re- not too long ago? He prayed for a child, the, and the angel came and says, uh, Zacharias, fear not, your prayer has been answered. Well, he's an old man now. He's forgot about having children, but he, he and his wife, no doubt, prayed some time ago, and God answered that prayer and gave them a child. His name was John. Yes, God hears and answers prayer. It's no wonder that in the Book of Psalms, Psalm sixty-five, verse two, it says, "O thou that hearest prayer, thou shalt unto thee shall all flesh come." So a, a title of God is, "O thou, thou who answerest prayer." What kind of God is he? He is a God who answers prayer. But these are all Bible accounts. These are accounts that we read in the Bible how God answered prayer, and how great God is, and it shows to us how great God is. But now, we're out of those Bible times, and we have God's promises to, to count on. God has told us He will never leave us nor forsake us. He's told us that He will provide our every need. He told He's told us that He will work all things together for good. He's told us all these things and then he says he's going to come again and receive us to himself, that where we are, he is, there we may be also. We have all those promises. We know those things are going to happen. He's going to take care of us. He's going to provide our needs. He's going to work things together out together for good. So why do we need to pray? I mean, God's already promised it. And so that's a question we want to answer today, and that is, why pray? I mean, if God is sovereign, he does as he pleases, And he's also already promised that he's going to do these things for us. Why should we have to pray for it? He's already told us he'd do it. Well, this is not anything we need to argue about because we have some answers for that. First of all, why pray? Because God commands us to pray. We don't need to decide whether it's necessary. We don't need to say to God, well, God, you've already promised it, so I don't need to bother you with it. I just need to believe it. No, God says, I want you to ask. You see, God not only determines the end, but he also determines the means. And that is, he is going to provide, but he also says, the way you'll be provided for is, first of all, you must ask. And so you ask. And so we're told to pray. We're commanded to pray. And why should we pray? Because God told us to pray. That's why. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. So we're to pray always. In Luke chapter 18, he says, and he spake a parable unto them uh, to this end, that men are always to pray. Oh, yes, God's given us these promises, but he says, you need to pray. You must pray. I command you, you pray. In Romans chapter 12, verse 12, it says, continuing instant in prayer. So we're to keep on praying. In Colossians 4, verse 2, it says, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. First Thessalonians 5, verse 17 says, Pray without ceasing. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says, let, let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So why should we pray? We should pray because God tells us to. And that's all we really need. God said it. That settles it. We need to pray. Also, another reason we need to pray or why we should pray is because it's it's God's ordained way in which he gives us things. It's his ordained way in which he, that we receive from him, we we ask and then we receive. God has set it up that way and God says, that's the way you get things from me as you ask. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 says, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God by prayer. Let your requests be made known unto God. You have needs. The way you get those is you ask. God has ordained it to be that way. Matthew chapter six, verse eleven. The Lord says in that in that in that prayer, the model prayer of the Lord's. He said. You should pray like this, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then one of the things he says is this, Give us this day our daily bread. God says, I'll give you your supply, I'll supply all your need. But then he says, Pray this, give us this day our daily bread. You see, it's God's ordained way that he gives us. And that is, we pray. We ask for it, and then he gives us. James chapter 4, verse 2 says, Ye lust and have not, ye desire to have and cannot obtain, yet ye have not, because you ask not. It's not enough to say, I know God's going to work everything out together for good. It's not enough to say, uh, Lord, I know that you're with me, you'll never leave me nor forsake me. It's not enough to say, uh, Lord, I know that all that uh, everything is has a purpose and a plan, and all of that. I know all of that, Lord. So I don't need to ask you. No, the Lord says you sin if you don't ask. You're to pray, and you do not have not because God cannot give, but you do not have because you don't ask. And many times we fail to have what we need because we do not ask God. You see, the Bible says in that same. In that same uh, book, in James chapter 1, verse 17, it says, Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above. From the Father of lights, with whom is no fearableness, neither shadow of turning. Every good gift comes down from above. But then later in that same book, he says, And you have not because you ask not. So all the good gifts are there for us. They come from God, but the way we get them it's to ask. So we must ask. What do you need tonight or today? What do you need? I mean, individually, don't tell me, but in your mind, what do you need? And then I ask this question, have you asked God for it? Have you asked the Lord? And so everything we need, we need to ask the Lord for it. You see, God is our Father, and he wants to give to us. Because he loves us, he will meet our needs. He's told us that. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But let's look back at our text passage, Matthew chapter 7. And a good way to remember that, I've shared it some, is this. Um, The perfect answer to your problems is prayer. The number of perfection is seven. So where do you find the perfect answer to your problems or the instructions about it? Matthew 7, verse 7. Just try to remember that. Matthew 7, verse 7. But then look down in verse 9. Or or what man is there of you, whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? I mean, you know, you're a good father. If your child asks you for bread, you're going to give them a stone? He says... Or if he ask a fish, will you give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children. And by the way, we are, in and of ourselves, evil. (laughs) But we know how to give good gifts unto our children. How much more shall your Father, which is in heaven that loved you so much, how much more that your Father shall give you good things to them that ask him? Good things to them that Ask him, so we need to ask. God wants to give us things, but we need to ask. Now, God's our Father. He not only wants us to ask so that he can give us things that we need, but look with me at John chapter 16. John chapter 16, verse 23. Jesus has been talking about the fact that he's been with them and, and uh, but now he's going to be gone. And he said, In that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, notice this, that your joy may be full. The Heavenly Father not only wants you to have what he has for you, but he wants you to be joyful. And the Lord says, your joy, lots of times, is because you do not ask. And you, you ask, and so he can give to you so that your joy might be full. Another way to look at this, that God has designed this for us to get the things we need, and that is God hates pride. You know, all of us know that. We've been taught that for a long time. We know the verses that speak about that. Pride goeth before destruction, a haughty spirit before fall. God hates pride. One way God give, keeps you humble is he wants you to ask him. You know, if you never had to ask God for anything and everything was there for you, you'd start to think it was because you were good. You'd got to start to think that it was because of you and your work and all that. But God says, no, I want you to ask me. It keeps you humble. You see, Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me, I'll abide in you. But in, then he says this, you, without me, you can do nothing. Isn't it a humbling thing to know that we cannot do anything without God? And so if we ask him, it keeps us humble. And that's good because God doesn't like pride. So asking is God's way for us to get things from him. We must ask. Another reason is this, because it's a privilege bought by the precious blood of Jesus. Have you ever thought of that? The the very reason you have access to God in prayer is because Jesus was willing to pay the price so that could happen for us. It cost Jesus his life when he shed his blood on the cross of Calvary. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, talking about the Lord as our high priest. It says, "Neither by the blood of goats and calves, and by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. How did he do that? By his precious blood. It says in verse 24, For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. You see, the reason he appears in the presence of God for us is because he's our mediator. He's our high priest. He's the one that intercedes. You cannot talk to God the Father unless you go through God the Son. That's why we need to pray when we pray. We pray in Jesus' name. It's not a formula. It's not some catchy phrase at the end of our prayer. It's not something that can just be dismissed and not say it because it might offend people. It's the only way, only only reason we have a right to pray is because of Jesus. And so we pray in Jesus' name. And he's the only one. The Bible says in, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, there is one God and one mediator between God and man, and that's the man, Christ Jesus. And so he's our mediator. And therefore, he says to us, come boldly unto the throne of grace. Come boldly. And so Jesus has paid the price. So one reason we should pray is because it's such a valuable thing. It has been purchased with the blood of Jesus The very right that you have to pray is so special because Jesus paid for it with his own blood. He died for us on the cross of Calvary. Then there's another reason why we should pray. Because God's prayer is his remedy for worry. Now, I imagine all of you are involved in that from time to time, worrying. I preach against worrying. I've preached messages just on that particular subject, why we shouldn't worry. But even though I know the facts, I still worry. Sometimes I worry. And I have to rebuke myself. And I say, no, you're not to worry about it. You're just to trust God. And we're to do that. And uh, I have a lot more victory over that than I used to have. But occasionally I still worry. But God tells us not to worry. And what's the remedy for worrying? It's prayer. So we should pray because it's God's remedy not to worry. God's remedy for worry, Philippians 4. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything, and then God will give you peace. You don't have to worry. You can have peace. You don't have to be troubled and and, uh, fret. You can have peace in the midst of the storm. You don't have to worry, but in order not to worry, you have to worry about nothing, Pray about everything, and then experience the peace of God. 1 Peter 5, verse 7 says, Casting all your care on him because he cares for you. Your cares, that's your worries. You say, Lord, I'm not going to carry these. I'm going to give them to you. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to fret about it. I'm going to give it to you. I know it's there, but I've given it to you. I know it's still a problem, but I've given it to you. I can't handle it. You can, and I give it to the Lord. Cast all your care on Him, because He cares for you. Psalm 55, verse 22 says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and He shall sustain thee. He shall sustain thee. Psalm 34. It's a psalm that I read quite often as I visit people in the hospital. Not always, but quite often I read this psalm. And uh, Psalm 34 Verse 6 says this This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all of his troubles. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all of his troubles. You see, that's a promise, because the Lord says in verse 17, Many are the afflict- the righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and deliver them out of all their troubles. And then he says later in verse 19, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. And so knowing that the Lord delivers us out of our troubles, the Lord, we have afflictions, but the Lord will deliver us from all of them. Knowing that to be true, we just the righteous cry and the Lord heareth and delivereth him from all their troubles. And so we know that, that that brings peace when we know that's true. There's an interesting psalm in Psalm 3. And I'd like to read just a few verses from Psalm 3. And it says... Mark it, so it'll take me a minute. Psalm 3, verse 4. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of of his holy hill. I laid me down and slept. I waked, for the Lord sustained me. Remember he said, you do that and I'll sustain you. He said, so I cried unto the Lord with my voice, He heard me, I laid me down and slept, I waked for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. So all the people were against him, but he said, I did something to alleviate my problems, and that is I prayed. I cried unto the Lord, and he let me go to sleep. And the enemies were still there, but I trusted the Lord. So, the, so prayer is the remedy for worry. Another reason we should pray is because it's God's way for us to commune with him. Let's think about that just a minute. We can talk to God, the God of the universe, the almighty, all-powerful God. We can talk to him about everything. Everything. In fact, he tells us to talk to him about everything. You have a personal problem nobody knows about? God does. And if only you and God know about it, it's usually best just to keep it that way. <laughs> because if he's the only one that knows about it, why talk to anybody else? Talk to the Lord. A lot of people get in trouble. You know, they have these personal problems, and uh, they're dealing with it. They're talking to the Lord about it, and nobody in the earth knows about it but them and God. And then they go telling other people. I think that's usually very unwise. And so... The Lord wants us to commune with Him. But what a privilege that we get to talk to the God of the universe about everything in our life. When we do that, we need to understand that we're talking to the all-knowing, all-wise God. There is nothing He does not know. You cannot go to a higher authority. Now, if you have a particular profession and you're in that profession... And uh, you're doing well, but you don't know it all but about that profession, but you're doing your best and you're making a living and all that. And then you have an opportunity to meet with one who's been in that profession for many years and has known, is, is known as the recognized authority for what you do. You'd probably want to talk to him. But let me tell you, the Lord, there is no higher authority than him. He knows about everything. He knows about, if you're a plumber, he knows all about it. He knows all about it. If you're an electrician, he knows all about that more than you know about it. He's the one that invented it. If you uh, take care of people and their illness, you are a doctor or a nurse, God knows all about that. God made the human body. God knows everything, so you can't go to a higher authority. He's he's the all-knowing, all-wise God. Also, you can be yourself when you go before God. Have you ever talked to somebody and tried to get advice, and yet you already know some things, maybe it's in your field and you try to get advice, and you're tempted when they tell you something to say, oh, yeah, I knew that. <laughs> or, oh, I didn't know that, I forgot about it. And sometimes you put on airs. Sometimes you deceive people and make them think you, you know more than you do. And you want to get the information from them, but you don't want them to think that you don't know anything, and so you try to tell them what you might know. And you're deceiving people, and you're uh, just working it for your advantage, but it's not that way with the Lord. There's no need to impress him, because he knows all about you. There's no need to deceive him, because he knows everything. There's no need to make excuse. He knows the reason. There's no need to fear to come to him and ask advice because he says, come boldly unto the throne of grace. No problems. He knows it all, yes. He's all sufficient, all wise, all that. Yes, it that's true. But he says, you come and your weakness and your frailty, you come and you tell me everything. I want to hear about it. And the Lord tells us to tell him everything. So we're talking to the all wise all-knowing God. We're also talking to the all-powerful God. Nothing's too hard for him. No problem that we can bring to him is too hard for him to solve. No power is too great for him to overcome. No project is too big for him to complete. No person is too hard for him to save. And so we we approach the almighty, all-powerful God, And we have that privilege of communing with him. And so when you talk to God, just remember, he knows it all and he can do everything. There's nothing too hard for him. Also, we're talking to the all-sufficient God. That means he owns everything. He never lacks supply. He's all-sufficient. Everything that you need is at His disposal. In fact, it belongs to Him. Everything. You see, there's no supply chain crisis with God. The supply is always there. And if we trust and serve Him, He will supply all our need. He promises that in Philippians 4.19. And you remember what it says in Psalm 23, verse 1? The Lord is my shepherd. And then what? I shall not want. Because He's my shepherd... I don't want anything. I need not want anything. But he says, You need to ask. You need to ask. And so prayer is God's way of us communing with him. And what a privilege it is. The all wise, all knowing, all powerful, all sufficient God says to us, I want you to talk to me about everything. About everything. That's awesome to have that privilege as a child of God, to talk to God about everything. And then there's another reason, and I'll close with this, and that is we should pray because God desires our fellowship. Isn't that amazing? That God not only tells us to do it, but he wants us to. Do you know that God can be pleased? And since God can be pleased, God can be displeased. Do you know that God can be grieved? And the Lord tells us to grieve not the Holy Spirit. In other words, God can be disappointed with us. God can be grieved that we don't take advantage of all that He has for us. And so when we pray, we need to understand that uh, it's so special for, uh, for God that we talk to Him. He desires our fellowship. And we have fellowship with him through prayer. Now, God talks to us in different ways. He talks to us through his word. That's the main source. He talks to us through the Holy Spirit who indwells us. He talks to us through his creation. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. Through the Holy Spirit, he talks to our conscience. And so he talks to us in lots of ways. But there's one way that he has he He's made for us to talk to Him, and that is through prayer. And we are to, to realize that God counts that as very special to Him, not just to us, but to Him. He desires our fellowship. We are special to Him. We're sons. We're sons of God. We're heirs of God. We're joint heirs with Christ. The Bible says He is our brother. And Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11 says, He is not ashamed to call them brethren. He is our God. Hebrews 11, verse 6, He is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared for them a city. We are so special to Him that He wants to have communion with us, a fellowship with us, and we want we are to fellowship with the Lord through prayer. He chose to live inside of us. God made that choice. We are so special that he chose that we would be his temple. And so when we sin, the Lord reminds us, don't you know that you're indwelt by the Spirit of God? And 1 Corinthians 6, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of God, which you have of God and you're not your own? You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. What? Don't you know that you're the temple of God? God lives inside of you. So we're special to him because he chose to live inside of us. And we're we're his own. He lives inside of us. And then he says in James chapter 4 verse 8, he says, I want you to draw nigh to me so I can draw nigh to you. And so God desires this. God wants us to pray. And we should pray because God desires that. He wants to have fellowship with us. He wants us to cast all our care on Him because He cares for us. Does God want you to tell Him your problems? Yes, He does. And not just as a mechanical thing. God says, I want you to do it because I I love you and I care for you. And so prayer is uh, God's way of fellowshipping with us. And we should count that as a wonderful blessing. He tells us to come unto Him. Matthew 11, come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Isaiah 118, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Can you imagine that the God of the universe says to us, come let us reason together. He wants to talk with us. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So God says to us, I really want to commune with you. I want to fellowship with you. Come boldly unto me. And then he assures us that he will answer our prayers. The Bible says in, in Hebrews chapter 4 that he will answer our prayers because he's an all-caring, all-loving God who's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And he cares about us. He's touched with the feeling of our infirmities because he was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He knows what it's like to be a human being. He knows what it's like to be a child. He knows what it's like to be a teenager. He knows what it's like to be an adult. He knows what it's like to have enemies to turn against him. He knows what it's like to experience hunger and thirst and pain. He knows what it's like to have rejection of those who are close to him. And remember he said, all men forsook me. Jesus came to a place where nobody stood with him. And uh, Peter denied the Lord, but all the others fled as well. And so Jesus is the one who's touched with our infirmities. He knows what we go through, and he says to us, I want you to come and talk to me. And the Lord wants us to talk to him. There's a there's a song written back in 1952, I think it is, as by John W. Peterson. Peterson wrote uh, a lot of good songs, and he, and he wrote this. He says, "No one understands like Jesus. No one understands like Jesus. He's a friend beyond compare. Meet him at the throne of mercy. He is waiting for you there. No one understands like Jesus when the days are dark and grim. No one is so near, so dear as Jesus. Cast your every care on him. No one understands like Jesus every woe he sees and feels. Tenderly he whispers comfort and the broken heart he heals. No one understands like Jesus when the foes of life assail. You should never be discouraged. Jesus cares and will not fail. No one understands like Jesus when you falter on the way. Though you fail him, sadly fail him. He will pardon you today. No one understands like Jesus when the days are dark and grim. No one is so near, so dear as Jesus. Cast your every care on him. Why should we pray? As Christians, why should we pray? Because God commands us to. Because it's God's ordained in which, way in which we receive things from him. Because it's a privilege that was bought with the precious blood of Jesus. It's so valuable because it's God's remedy for worry, because it's God's way for us to commune with Him, and because God desires our fellowship so much, He pleads with us, come tell me, cast your cares on me, tell me about your burden, tell me about your troubles. I want to hear, and I want to answer. And you have not, because you ask not. We need to pray, and we need to pray more because God is the way, is the one who will answer, and it will be so so rewarding and make us so joyful when we have from the Lord what we ask. God can give us all that we need. Let's be sure to pray. Father, thank you today for reminding us of these things about, about God, about yourself, Lord, and how you want us to pray. I pray that we might be those who... Spend more time in prayer than we have. I pray that we be those who believe you and that we come to you expecting because you say that if we ask, you, we will receive. Lord, I just pray that we might be a church that prays, that trusts you. Lord, we have things ahead of us that need to be done. We need to reach more people for Jesus. You can help us do that. I pray that you would. We need to live holy lives. You can help us do that. I ask, Lord, that we as God's people will pray and ask you for help. We need to build a new church building. And, Lord, we can do that because you can do that for us. You're not, we're not able, but you are. And I pray that you might grant that, Lord, requ- that request. And make it materialize even this year because nothing is too hard for you. Help us to be people of prayer. And we'll thank you for the privilege we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.